This episode was sponsored by Critical Dice and the Endless Bag of Dice. Welcome to the Compendium, a resource designed to help you spend less time learning D&D and more time actually playing. Let's kind of help walk people through the level one ranger. Um, you know, where are we putting those skills? Why are they useful? Why do they matter? Um, what else yeah. do you get? Uh, yeah, so the hit dice are a D10, which is great. Same as a fighter. Um, and, you know, you get 10 hit points plus constitution modifier. And then uh, then D10 plus con for every level after that. And uh, you get light armor, medium armor, and shields as proficiencies. And you know how to use simple and martial weapons. Uh, tools, none, which I find suspicious. Um, and then dexterity, then saving throws is strength and dexterity. Um, and uh, which makes a lot of sense because that's kind of the direction they're going. And then you could choose three, which is actually pretty good uh, between animal handling, athletics, insight, investigation, nature, perception, stealth, and survival. And all of those That one's a hard sense. list. Yeah, that, that's why it's a hard are all list really is because good. you're like, all of these things are perfect for a ranger. Like I would use all of these to mm-hmm. do exactly what a ranger is meant to do. So that that's actually a tough choice. Yeah, but that's why you put in your background was going to give you two more. And so, and I don't know if many people know this, by the way, that if your background grants you a, a, a skill proficiency that you already have through your class or your race, you can just choose something else, anything else, not even from the ranger list, just whatever you want. And uh, D&D Beyond does this for you. So they're pretty loose and free with, their skills, but it's nice that they get five uh, from the get-go, which is kind of nice. And then uh, starting equipment, either scale mail or leather armor scale uh, tends towards the lower dexterity uh, rangers, leather towards the more dexterity. I feel like leather either. just makes so much more sense with rangers too. Like it's it's a naturally occurring, easy to make, self-make, but then again, but they don't have tools. So how would they make it? That's well, okay. Yeah. That's why I was like, I'm suspicious of that. I don't like that at all. Um, but yeah, but scale mail makes sense too, because it is uh, literally a different kind of leather armor uh, mixed with like metal or um, sometimes actual scales, like from a dragon. Uh, so I, I could see that it feels very naturey. Um, so yeah, I, I get that. Um, but then either uh, two short swords or two other simple melee weapons, uh, dungeoneering pack or explorer's pack, and then a longbow and a quiver of 20 arrows. Again, leaning into the, uh, the dual wielding archetype or the uh, archery uh, archetype, which you right. see very well, I mean, commonly. Also, again, puts forward that dexterity is, is really the better way to go with your abilities because you you are provided guaranteed you get a bow and arrow. You don't get a choice in it, if you will, because it doesn't say this or that. It's a you get a bow and arrow, like or a bow and arrows. Uh, <laughs> but what's interesting about this equipment list too is I don't feel like there's any give or take. There's nothing where you're like, wow, these are drastically different. It's yeah, more just and, like, what, which one feels better? Which one sounds more like what you would take? Like they're, they're very similar in what they offer in both respects. They, they really flavor. are. Yeah, they really are. And it feels like there are options, but inside a much nar- more narrow band, we've seen some of the other classes. And I think we're starting to get into part of the very specific set of skills as it were, rangers have, which caused them to be so misunderstood and therefore sometimes hated. So I think we're beginning to see the first of that. Um, but yeah, 
Um, and, and then of course, you know, the long swords, uh, this, I'm sorry, the short swords are both finesse and light. Uh, so if you're a dex-based ranger, uh, you could still do melee with uh, two short swords and you could do two up in fighting and do that. So that's that's pretty great that they give you that off the off the bat. Um, and then we get into the real like meat of why a lot of people scratch their heads or used to at least with rangers. I think it's changing. Uh, they get at first level, they get two things. They get a favored enemy which means you have a uh, significant experience studying, tracking, hunting, and even talking to a certain type of enemy, which sounds really promising, but then it kind of falls off pretty quickly. So you can choose a type of uh, enemy, aberrations, beasts, celestials, which is buck wild, constructs, uh, dragons, elementals, fey, fiends, giants, monstrosities, oozes, plants, or undead. And yes, plants is in there. It makes sense. Pro- I promise. It oozes. <laughs> right. Or you could you pick just be, you spoke to oozes a lot, you know. Yeah. Which also includes like moss and fungi. Like it, like a ranger shows up in your bathroom to do battle with your tub, you know. <laughs> which sounds pretty great actually when it needs cleaning. Um, but you alternately could also pick humanoid, which is a very broad category, and pick two uh races of humanoid inside there. Uh, as your uh, chosen enemy like gnolls and orcs. Also, human is a uh a valid target in this case, which is very funny. That's true. Um, Cause I mean, the purpose, the idea here is that usually there's some sort of tragic, like with all things D and D there's some right. sort of tragic backstory that has caused you to latch onto this particular um, thing as, as something that's like a bane of your existence. And it could just be a human. It could be somebody, a human that came in and slaughtered your parents or something like that. So it's, I mean, humans can be monsters too, like literally. Oh, yeah. So Absol- it makes sense. Absolutely. Especially when you consider that human is just another kind of, you know, uh, sentient humanoid in this world, you know, mm-hmm. so the ranger could be something else entirely. Uh, maybe they could be a tiefling who's just like tired of all the humans crap and you got to stop hunting tieflings. We're not all bad guys. Come on. Um, and uh, I, you know, it's very much the trope of, you know, ooze has killed my parents, you know. Uh, kind of thing so you get some some rogue vibes in that as well but then once you've picked them it gets a little like okay so you have advantage on wisdom survival checks to track that favorite enemy as well as intelligent checks to recall information about them and you also can learn one language of your choice that's spoken by the favorite enemy if they speak one at all and then uh, you can add new favorite enemies uh, and the associated language at sixth fourth and 14th level um, and they encourage you to make it reflect monsters you've actually encountered. Um, and then you get natural explorer, which is, you can pick that particular kind of natural environment. We talked about that biome and you can travel in it really, really well. And you can choose like Arctic coastal desert forest, grassland, mountain swamp, or the underdark, which is also great. And Especially you can make that drow ranger mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Uh, although he spends a lot of time, not there. Um, <laughs> Which makes sense because he's like, forget you guys. Um, uh, You can make an intelligence or wisdom check uh, related to it. And your proficiency bonus is doubled if you're using that skill that you're proficient in. So if you're like, oh, where could I find, you know, food here on the coast? You would make that, you know, survival check with um, a doubled proficiency bonus to find that because that's, I mean, you live there. Uh, And then also when you're moving through that for an hour or more, that biome, uh, difficult terrain doesn't slow you down. 
Um, you can't become lost except by magical means, which I think a lot of people forget. Uh, and even when you're engaged in another activity like uh, foraging or navigating or tracking, you still are remain alert to danger. When you're traveling alone, you can move stealthily at a normal pace. When you forage, you can find twice as much food as you normally would. And while tracking other creatures, you learn their exact number, their sizes, and how long ago they passed through the area. And you can choose extra terrain again at 6th and 10th. So going back real quick to um, remaining alert to danger when yeah. you're, you know, as a DM, how would you run that? Do you, would you give them an advantage on a roll? Would you just be like, oh, well, you would just know this because you're still alert. Like if the party is traveling and they have a ranger, like what, what would be, cause it doesn't clearly define right. what you do. And so how yeah. would you run that? So mechanically, that there's not a lot of uh, mechanics jargon in that sentence to help us figure that out. Remain alert. It's like, well, yeah. that's not a term I've heard in the PHB yet. <laughs> yeah, like I think for me, I would run it as though um, they had the alert feat conditional to them being in that biome, if that makes sense. So um, that when that they if there's an ambush they would recognize it right away which might keep the whole party from having to be surprised that first round of combat um or if they're by themselves they don't get surprised so they sneak back and get back with the rest of the party and say hey okay. they're laying in wait for us um and basically they just can't have the surprise condition more or less and okay. um yeah, that's how I would run it. But I, I think this block here is the main problem because the first thing, you know, favorite enemy, that's okay. But natural explorers, I think where the real rub comes in because at first level, you're like, oh, okay, um, so? So because the thing is this, is that have you ever imposed difficult terrain on your group while they're traveling over land? Not like in combat, not like in a dungeon as they're traveling from city to city. Mm, I don't think once, I ever have. Okay. Once, and it was in once. Strahd okay. because of like snow and like all of these other things. Um, and it, that was more, I, I, it wasn't even really a huge mechanic. It was more that I did it mentally. And I told them that because I wanted to calculate travel pace. Cause I'm like, right. how far could you make it to this town before then? Well, it's assumed it's probably difficult terrain. So probably only about this far. That was kind of the right. extent of it. It didn't really get too much further. <laughs> exactly. And how often do you shorten their, their overland distance because they're also like consulting a map or foraging for food or tracking something? Oh yeah, something. they travel at the speed of plot, as you say. Absolutely. And, uh, and there's a rule that you, you can move stealthily um, for long periods of time, as long as you only move half your movement, how often have you ever used that rule, right? So you see what I'm getting at? All the things that they get to do are like this kind of nuts and bolts side of exploration. That's not even the cool, like, you know, exploring the dungeon kind of exploration, but just being about in the world, getting from point A to point B. And it's the part that so many dungeon masters and game masters just kind of gloss over because travel episodes or travel sessions are kind of boring and random encounters are just that they're okay random. but here's my question to you is is that the is that the fault of the dm at that point do we need to step up our game to make travel yes. more exciting and engaging and have a list of of non-combat encounters that you know maybe an entire session is actually travel 
instead mm-hmm. of the storyline because travel takes a long time. So what if that's actually on us as DMs and, and I think the, it is. the class is getting the bad rap? I think it is. I, I think it's not the Rangers' fault. I just think that it was designed. Its intention was to do some things very well, very specifically that most dungeon masters just don't worry about. And that if you're going to play a ranger, especially using the um, the default setting in the player's handbook, that you especially need that session zero to talk with your DM and work out what kind of story you're going to tell. Because with a ranger, the class is built to tell a story, a very specific story in a specific place against certain foes, which may be at wild odds with the, with the, the story the dungeon master is trying to tell. And so it's going to either make, it's going to most likely and so often make the ranger feel useless and underpowered and undervalued because they just never get to fight gnolls in the desert because they're on a ship fighting sharks. Right. And right. Actually, so, one of the ones that I ran was like, I can't remember if it was a ranger or a druid. I think it was a druid. But they were basically inside of a building, if you will, the mm-hmm. whole campaign. That was where it was set. And they, they were just like, I want to be outside. <laughs> I was like, yes. oops. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, and totally. so I think it just requires more uh, preparatory conversation than other classes would. And if you do that, then rangers are amazing. If you don't have enough dice to make it through your game after every single set gets put in dice jail, make sure you check out the Critical Dice and their Endless Bag of Dice. You can get a new set of dice delivered to your doorstep every single month for as low as 7 bucks a month. Compendium listeners can actually also get a special offer by using the code COMPENDIUM, C-O-M-P-E-N-D-M, for 50% off of your first month of dice. Just go to thecriticaldice.com and use that code at checkout. We hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation this week. If you haven't done so already, it would really help us out if you would take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. The Compendium is also on Patreon. So if you like listening, that is a great way to help contribute to the content that we create. New episodes are available every Tuesday and Friday or Monday and Thursday if you're a patron. And you can always keep up with us between episodes by following us on social media. Just look up the compendium, that's C-O-M-P-E-N-D-M, on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Jason also shares a bunch of great content and plot hooks on his page, The Critical Dice, so make sure that you check him out and follow him as well. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time.